0: Carlin, Brother Jerry and Miss Carla, sorry about that. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24. And let's stand this morning, if you're able to, for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 28. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse number 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Drop down to verse number 16. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the instruction of the Word of God. And I pray that you'd help us to see the truth this morning, that if we are one of your children, then what we need to be doing is following you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that you would never lead us astray, that you always have our best interest in mind, and Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. The message this morning deals with being a true follower of Jesus. There's a lot of people who say they are followers of Christ. But to say you are a follower means that you need to be actually following the Savior. Uh, You think about uh, the the analogy in the Bible, I think the one that gets me the most, it helps me understand my relationship with the Lord, it's that of a sheep and the shepherd. Uh, One of the animals that God uses to describe us is sheep. And when you study this matter of sheep, They are a very dumb animal. I can relate to that. Oftentimes, sheep will wander around. They'll wander away from a place of safety. They many times will ignore the one that loves them, that cares for them, the one who is willing to lay his life down for them. And yet the only thing that he asks as the shepherd is that we would follow him. I wonder this morning, do you say that you're a follower of Christ or are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? You see, there is much involved in this matter of following the Lord. The disciples, as they were on this earth, and the Lord hand-selected those men that we know as the apostles, the disciples of the Lord Jesus. These men had the opportunity to spend time With Jesus for about three and a half years. At the end of that time, of course, even though he had told them that he was going to uh, go away and prepare a place for them, he had told them that destroy this body and, and destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. He had told them on a couple different occasions that he would be crucified, that he would give his life for them. It happened just as he said it would. And as Jesus had been crucified, their hope was gone. And of course, just as he mentioned, three days later, up from the grave he arose. What it must have been like, I mean, the thrill, the amazement to see the resurrected Christ. I mean, just to think about it with your physical eye, and I think about how those individuals that saw Jesus alive on this earth And then they saw him hang on that cross, and they saw as he gave up the ghost. They saw as he was placed in that tomb, but then they saw him standing before them. You see, those individuals were then given the task, and actually prior to that, they were given the task of going into all the world and telling the world about the Lord Jesus Christ and you and I like the disciples we need to be affecting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ we need to be reaching our generation with the good news and listen Jesus is alive he left no doubt that he had risen if you go to the book of Acts or there in your notes in chapter one look at verse number three the Bible says to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. You see, unlike Buddha and unlike Confucius and all these individuals like you and I that live for a time in, on this earth, those individuals have perished. They are still dead. But Jesus is alive today. And they serve and we serve a risen Savior. He gave evidence of His resurrection, 1 Corinthians fifteen six. After that, He was seen of them of above 500 brethren at one time. Jesus gave plenty of evidence. Just that one incident alone is more than those that witnessed the, the, that document we know as the Declaration of Independence. I mean, any other historic event, more people saw Jesus in his resurrected form. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 9 of our chapter. It says, And as they went to tell his disciples... He met them and he said all hail and they came and held him by the feet and they worshiped him. Now what Jesus tells them is he says, "Look, look, you have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to fear. I have something for you to do." And so he met them. He met with these followers in Galilee before his ascension back to be with the Father. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, when they saw him there in Galilee, what did they do? They worshiped him. But notice the Bible says, but some doubted. Some in that crowd that day doubted that he had risen. I'm thankful for the 11 disciples who were there that day that were standing there believing. They believed that Jesus rose as he said he would. In other words, what were these men doing? They were making Christ's last command their first priority, and that was to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what he said when he was on this earth. He says, if you be my disciples, then you should keep my word. Follow the word that I have given to you. Listen, folks, this morning, if you have a Bible in your hand, you know what that is? God's word. You know what God wants us to do today? He wants us not just the disciples that day, to follow his word. So I want to share with you this morning uh, some characteristics of what a true follower of Jesus Christ really is. Notice, first of all, a true follower worships Christ. The Bible says they worshiped him. To worship means to ascribe worth to something, to kiss toward, to place great value on Someone or something, and in this particular instance, they worship Jesus. Now, there's a lot today in churches, not only in our area, but around the world, there's a lot in this area of worship that is emotional. There's a lot when it comes to worship that is man centered instead of God And we need to be careful about the right kind of worship. See, their focus as these disciples was not on themselves. Their focus was on him. Notice as we think about this, a true follower is focused on Christ. The Bible says, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. In other words, let's be focused on him. Why did you come to church this morning? I hope you came to worship the Lord. Amen. That's why we need to be here. We need to be focused on him. Over in the Old Testament, the, the book of Exodus Thou shalt not worship no other god, for the the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Listen, God alone is the one that is worthy of our worship. You know why? Because Jesus is God. The Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 5, 18, therefore the Jews... This was one day in the life of Christ while he was on this earth. And in this passage, they sought to kill Jesus because they said he had not only broken the Sabbath, but they said also that he said that God was his father making himself equal with God. So when you think about worship, true worship, we're talking about being a true follower of Jesus Christ. How in the world can we tell if worship Is actually true worship can I give you an easy answer it's true worship if lives are being changed if there is a change that has taken place see Christ-centered worship is life-changing worship it's not man-centered there's a metamorphosis that is taking place the Bible talks about a we are a new creature in Christ look what the Bible says in Romans 12 2 Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, Christ-centered and Christ-honoring worship, you know what it does? It renews the heart. It renews our minds and it changes our lives. And the simple proof that these were true disciples is these individuals, when you study the word of God, they would ultimately go out and give their lives for Jesus. They were changed, and they became true followers because they were focused on Christ. And when we're focused on Christ, then guess what happens? Notice, secondly, that focus on Christ is followed by service. It's followed by service. Somebody said worship involves our attitudes and our actions. Biblical worship involves an attitude of humility, honor, and praise to the Lord. We're not just presenting our bodies. Listen, it's a great thing to present your bodies to the service of the Lord. But understand this morning, we're presenting our bodies to the Lord to live for God every day of our lives. That began in your life and mine at the moment of salvation. Every one of us need to see that we need to be living out the Christian life. So very important. Look in your notes at Matthew chapter 2. It says in verse number 11 in this, what we oftentimes refer to as the Christmas story. It says, and when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. You know what they had was, they had a heart that was full of faith. Uh, kind of like the thief on the cross, where he was hanging beside the Lord, and he says, Lord, Remember me this day when thou goest into paradise. You see, we're talking about being focused on the Lord and following that by serving the Lord. When we're involved in biblical worship, it's not about what you and I want to do, it's what about what the Lord wants for our lives. God, what do you want me to do? That ought to be the prayer of all of our hearts. Lord, what would you have me to do today? What would you have me to do with my life? This life that you gave to me. See, it's living out every day. True worship involves living sacrifice. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 4 there in your notes. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now think about this. These men, had, they had lives, they had careers. They had a lot of acquaintances. And Jesus said, I want you to leave it all. I want you to give it up. A lot of times people would sit there and they would think about, well, I don't know if I can do that, but a true follower would say something like, Lord, if that's what you want, thy will be done. And I want you to see what the Bible says here. Look at these verses because he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. notice, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. Are you willing to give up what you want for what he wants? See, a true follower of Jesus will do that. Where's the Christians today that will go tell someone else that Jesus loves them and he gave his life for them? I think about how many Christians never tell somebody about the love of God. There are many, if you studied out historically, who have given their lives the ultimate sacrifice We call them martyrs for the faith. Many have died very brutal, cruel deaths. Why did they do that? Because they were a true follower of Jesus Christ, that even in their death, they still honored God with their lives. They served the Lord. Like the songwriter said, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, unto thee. That's the way we need to live our lives. We need to worship God with our whole life. Somebody said, until you give your life in worship, you will not give your life in service to Christ. And so we need to be a true follower, and a true follower worships Christ. But notice, secondly, that as we worship Christ, in verse 18, the Bible says, He spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Notice, secondly, a true follower works for Christ. See, we not only worship him, we're here today to worship him. But as we go out this week, we'll work for him. We'll do what God has put on our hearts. And as we go, notice that this work, his work, is premised on Christ's authority. We go in his power. He said, all power is given unto me. The word power there, exousia. Talks about an authority and rule. Now, when Jesus was on this earth, he described there were many powers. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him, notice, by him were all things made that were created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones, notice the categories here, thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And folks, listen this morning, understand that many times what we do is we underestimate the power of the wicked one. We underestimate the ability of Satan and his demons. But here's the good news this morning. What Jesus was saying here in Matthew 28 is this. Jesus was saying, yeah, there are many powers out there, but guess what? I have all power. You see, they might have power just like Satan. Satan's on a short leash. But notice that he told us that as we go, we go in his power. We don't go in our own power. We know that that would be a very limited power. But why do we go in his power? Because he, Christ, is the head of the church. And what are we to do? We're to follow his lead. He is our leader. He's the chief shepherd. Notice what the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see, we follow him. And so a true follower works for him. And how can we work for him? Because he has given us the power, the authority to do his work. But notice, secondly, this work is performed in Christ's power. Because it says in verse 19, go ye therefore. Now folks, where does that power come from? Again, what do you hold in your hand? The word of God. Notice God has given us his word. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit in the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the power comes from the word of God, but notice it also comes from the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we've got to know that God's word, you and I need to make sure that we're aware of what God's word has to say, but we need to walk in the spirit of God if we're going to make a difference. I'm reminded of what the Bible said in the book of Acts chapter 17, that those that were alive right after Jesus was on this earth, the Bible says this as a testimony of them. It says, these were they that turned the world upside down. Now, you have to study it out. It doesn't mean they destroyed things wherever they went. That means that they made a difference because they were doing the work of God. See, a true follower not only worships Christ, but a true follower works for Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but notice it was in demonstration of the power, notice, of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, do you notice what Paul just wrote to those in Corinth? He says, look, you have to understand that as you do God's work, that it is through the power of God of the Lord Jesus Christ through his word and through his Holy Spirit. Listen, when somebody gets up here, and I I love to hear people sing for the Lord, and, and, and Brother Jerry and Miss Carla this morning, what a beautiful song to lead our hearts into worshiping God. But can I tell you, listen, we should never say, what a singer. Whenever I get done with a message, somebody should never come up to me and say, what a preacher. Listen, folks, can I tell you what we should say? What a savior. Our focus needs to be on the Lord. And while we do his work, listen, there is much in the way of man-centeredness when it comes to religion. What you and I need to do is get back to lifting up Jesus. Look what the Lord said. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You see, the disciples had the kind of work that changed lives. And that we need to be involved in the work of God. Look, the the songwriter put it this way, we'll work till Jesus comes. And That's what we need to be doing. Listen, let's be faithful to not only worship Christ, but let's be faithful to work for Christ. And then notice, thirdly, is a true follower witnesses for Christ. The Bible tells us that it should be a compelling witness, first of all, that we should go that we should teach, and we should see people baptized. These words are all commands. They're in the imperative mood. They are commands of God that we should be constantly going, that we should be constantly teaching, and that we should see people being baptized. Look, that's what Paul did when he was on this earth. Paul, in the ministry that God gave to him as he worshiped the Lord, he worked for the Lord. Listen, he witnessed for the Lord. He, he tells them in Acts 20 and verse 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. See, Paul knew that God had given him a witness. God had given him salvation. And so he wanted to tell everyone that he knew. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people today who think that soul winning doesn't work anymore. You know why soul winning doesn't work? Because you don't work it. We, we, we had a time yesterday before we went out, we always praise the Lord for those that are obedient to be a witness for the Lord. I realize sometimes people can't go because of schedules. <clears throat> but as we met, we were reminded of this fact, that as we go out, we're not to go out as professional inviters. That as we go out, we need to ask people. I remember talking to a man named Richard yesterday. It's kind of a neat opportunity God gave to me. I was talking to the man. I could tell by the color of his skin, and I I asked him a few questions. He says, I'm from Ethiopia. I said, Richard, do you know Christ as your Savior? He said, yes, I do. I said, how do you know that? And he says, because I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him years ago. I said, what a wonderful testimony, Richard. So I I, I asked him this question, and I didn't doubt his salvation. I said, Richard... Are you trusting in Christ alone? Now think about what I just asked. Are you trusting in Christ alone? Because there are many who believe in Christ. But here's what they do is they add something to that. See, it's faith in Christ plus nothing. When I asked him that, his answer kind of gave me, I didn't know for sure if he was thinking, listen, I I believed in the Lord, but I need to do this. Folks, you understand that the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When I asked him that, his answer, the Lord kind of impressed upon me, and then I thought, wait a minute, this man descends from Ethiopia. So I said to him, I said, there's a story in the Bible about a man from Ethiopia in Acts chapter number 8. And I, I started to give him the story. I said, are you familiar with this story, Richard? And he said, uh, no, he says, but, but go ahead. And so I, I took my New Testament out of my pocket and I started to open it up and he goes, no, he goes, you're okay, just go ahead. That Let me explain to you for just a second. There's power in the word of God. And so I wanted him to see the words. So I took my Bible out and I went to Acts chapter number eight. And I began to read about how the Holy Spirit directed Philip away from the work that God had him doing, to this man who had been to Jerusalem, had come back from Jerusalem, was in his chariot, and had a copy, a portion of the book of Isaiah. He was reading it, he couldn't figure it out. And just like the passage says, Philip began at the same place, because he asked him, he says, understandest what thou readest. And the man said, how can I, except some man should guide me. God gave Philip a specific soul-winning call. He was compelled to go talk to this man. And I shared with that man how the man said they came upon water, and he said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And I told him, I said, you know, Richard, a lot of people think that if you're baptized, that you're saved. But that's not what Philip told this man, because yes, there was water there. But Philip said, if thou believest that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, thou mayest. And here's what the Bible says. That man said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Bible says they went down into the water. He went under the water and came up out of the water. He baptized him. See, it's always salvation and then baptism. That's God's order. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, oh, it's a compelling witness. Jesus died for your sin. Why did he do that? So that you could have a home in heaven someday. You see, I see the compelling witness, but notice also I see here a converting witness. He says, go in to teach all nations. There's a lot of people that think, that going to heaven, the Bible way is too narrow. Jesus said, I am the way, right? I talked to a lady named Sue yesterday, and she was from England. And she said to me, well, I'm not a believer. That's what people say. There's a lot of people that that are thinking there's many different ways to go to heaven. I was reminded of a little children's song I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, but I will read the words. Children sing the song, you won't get to heaven on the back of a camel, and you won't get to heaven on a sheep. You won't get to heaven on a double-decker bus, and you won't get to heaven in a jeep. A pogo stick will only make you sick, and you can't drive there in a car. A rocket in your pocket might make you see stars, but it won't get you that far. You won't get to heaven by saying you're a Christian. You won't get to heaven because you're good. You won't get to heaven just by going to a church, though many, many think you could. A mom or a dad or a sister who loves Jesus won't get you there, it's true. You're in favor with the Savior, but this you gotta know, you need to find him just for you. There's only one way to get to heaven. Oh yeah, there's, there is through God's son, Jesus, He is the only way. What do we need to do? Listen, folks, we need to share that truth with people. We need to confront them that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible says in in John 8, 32, ye shall know the truth. Do you know the truth today? Because the Bible says the truth shall make you free. You see, there's a lot of people who are teaching you can go this way, you can do this, you can live this certain life. I had a couple people yesterday that told me, well, I'm trying to be a good person. Yet Jesus said there's none good. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, the power is not in stuff. The power is in Jesus. He is the truth. You see, it's a compelling witness. A true follower witnesses a compelling witness, a converting witness. Notice, it is a complete witness. We need to teach baptizing them and then discipling them. Look, once a person's saved, that's just the beginning of the Christian life. We need to continue to teach people after salvation There's no greater uh, joy, there's nothing greater than to realize that God used you to bring someone to Jesus. Remember the story about Andrew? And there's not a lot in the Bible about Andrew. But the one thing I love about Andrew, in John 1, 41, he first findeth his own brother, Simon. Now, we know Simon, don't we? Peter. But it was his brother that went and got Simon, and the Bible says, he said unto him, We found the Messiah, the anointed one, the one we've been looking for. And the Bible says that he brought him to Jesus. You know, I think Andrew, I don't think Andrew ever regretted that decision to tell his brother about Jesus, to bring his brother to Christ. The Bible says in Acts 20, 27, and may it be said of us that we have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of Of God, As I talked to that man, Richard, yesterday, he says to me, oh, you're doing a good job. I always feel weird because when I go to a door, I rarely will say to them, I'm the pastor. I don't know why that is. People act weird when they know you're the pastor. And so as I talked to him and gave him a little greeting before I left, he says, now what's your name? And I said, it's, it's on the back of the card right there. And he looked down and it said, Dane Keeley, pastor. And he goes, oh, you're the pastor. You know, I guess pastors all sit in their offices. They never go out anywhere, talk to anyone. But, but here's the thing is, I wanted to make sure that what I was sharing with Richard was a complete witness. I wanted to share, because a true follower not only worships Christ, a true follower works for Christ, but a true follower witnesses for Christ. Are you worshiping the Lord? Are you working, doing God's will for your life? Are you witnessing for Christ? Would you bow your heads this morning? You know, somebody said a long time ago, you're either a thermometer, Christian, or you're a thermostat. Now think about that. A thermometer is something that you can set the temperature based on what's around you. Some people are so hot and so cold, but a thermostat, Christian, that's someone who sets the temperature. Remember those disciples, followers of Christ, what did they do? They turned the world upside down for Christ. That means they worshiped Him. That means they worked for Him. That means they witnessed for Him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I hope from the Word of God this morning that God has shown you how much He loves you, how much He cares for you. He loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, But have everlasting life. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure, or maybe you believe in Jesus, but you think you have to do this and do this to be saved, Jesus said, It is finished. You don't have to add anything to what Jesus did, His death was sufficient. He's the propitiation for our sins. That means he satisfied the holy and just demands of God. And this morning, all that you have to do if you've never been saved is to put your faith in Christ. Just to say this morning from your heart to the Lord, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. The life that I've lived. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you prayed that prayer, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Forgive me and be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer according to the Word of God, the promise is that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, That you shall be saved. It's a prayer of faith. I wonder this morning whether our head's bowed, no one's looking around. But by an upraised hand this morning, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I just prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Just slip your hand up. You can put it up and put it back down. Is there anybody this morning, Pastor? I prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior. Just slip your hand up as a testimony that you did that, and then you can put it back down. How many of you this morning could say by an upraised hand, somewhere in my life, Pastor, I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony of that? What a wonderful sight this morning all across the auditorium. If you were not able to raise your hand, then today is the day of salvation. God's given you this opportunity. Let's stand this morning as we stand.